It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) All right, everybody, welcome back to episode three of our four-part Bruce Springsteen series. We have covered the early days, the middle days, and now we are going to cover his last ah, 22, 23 years. Give it a, give it a year or two. Um, probably, as we said, the most, I don't know, not most, probably the best last 20 years of anybody's career uh, that has been around this long. What do you think, Chris? I can't, I, I can't disagree. We talked about this last time and, and the bands that have had this kind of, um, for career, you look at the, we got to look at the Stones. We got to look at Paul McCartney. Look at, um, I can't throw a band like Iron Maiden in there because they were 1980. So they haven't, even they haven't been as long. You look at bands like, Met, when you're staying in the realm of metal, you look at a band like Judas Priest, but they had a replacement singer that a lot of people just really hate those two albums. Um, so yeah, I think as far and in the past, Priest albums haven't necessarily been loved except for Firepower. So I think that that is a fair comparison. Paul McCartney, he doesn't, he's not making anything that's incredible these days. I mean, I don't really even listen to it. We talked about U2. That's another prime example. I don't think they make good records anymore. Um, going back to the Stones, and that's what we really need to focus on here too. Is you, you're you're only separating the Stones and Springsteen, and for a lot of people like us, kids of the '80s they probably sound like they're 25 years apart. They're about 10 years, just under 10, actually. So they're actually really close. And the Stones have had good songs, I'll give you that, but have they been made consistently great records? Voodoo Lounge was the last good one. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. They made great records over the last, on on the last third of what they've released. And this is what we're talking about, the last third. Was Spring Singers released? And no, I, 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 so I think you're right. I don't think anybody's comparable. All right. So, our last installment of this is going to be Sonny Pooney coming on here who hates Bruce Springsteen. And we gave him, and, and let me, let me jump in for just one second. He, he hates, he's vehemently opposed to good music for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, we'll bring that up when he gets here. But we <laughs> gave him 10 songs that are a little bit on the heavier side, which he, he likes, you know, hard rock music to see if we can at least persuade him to consider um, listening to more Bruce Springsteen. Comedy hour. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be good. He did it on state of America with black crow songs. And I literally had people messaging me going, I'm going to start my own podcast solely to refute everything. Sonny Pooney said (laughs) it was, it was, it was the most hate. I mean, it was so much hate toward him. And I was like, Oh, that's why you're going to come back. You get people talking. So we'll get people riled up uh, with him. We've had a really good response to this our download numbers are great for um uh this uh this series and so um ian who i do state of america with he said you wish now you'd start a springsteen podcast instead of the crows and i said well there's like four or five really good springsteen podcasts out there i doubt i could top that now i still uh i would say that black crows are my favorite band bruce springsteen's my favorite artist because i like this stuff even without the East street band so um anyway so what we're going to do is like we've done on the other two we're going to make a double album we're going to go 20 songs and it's going to start at the rising 99 2000 they got back together on a reunion tour 
And uh, it's pretty much common knowledge that right after 9-11, Springsteen was walking down the street and some guy pulled up next to him and said, we really need you, Bruce. And he went in and, and wrote The Rising, which a lot of that song, a lot of that album is about 9-11. There's some oddball things in there, but that was kind of what set him back on, on this trajectory of um, really good albums. And if you ask me, he's only had, you know, one stinker since he got back and we'll get into that one um when at some point because we have to have songs off every album i will tell you we're not talking about the seeger sessions and we're not talking about the covers album that came out last year i i just just to to elaborate on what you said i I don't know that everybody always knows that what we are doing is you have to pick a song at least one from every album in this period so it's our favorite 20 with an asterisk. Yeah. Because there, I have, I definitely have a couple of songs that I don't think would make my top 20. Um, one for sure would not make my top 20. There's, there's two albums I could pretty much uh, on a, on a certain days, put every song on there on it. Just about. Um, uh, yeah. And, and it's in, I know what you're talking about. I don't mean to give it away, but I've, we're supposed to pick 20 and 10 come from those two albums. Yeah. So, all right. I think, did you go first last time or did I go first? I think you did. Yeah, you did. Okay. All right, Chris, give you, give me your first five. Okay. Let's go ahead and start. I'm going to, I'm going to do something different and start with the one that I, I know for sure would not make it. And I'm going to give you a chance to talk about this record. Um, Western Stars came out, I guess it was early in, in the COVID, I believe. And it's only probably a, a year, if that, before Letter to You came out. And I knew what I was getting with Western Stars. That it was going to be the singer-songwriter. It wasn't going to be full band. It was going to be largely acoustic. I Look, I got that. I and, and I was cool with that. I was ready to just have new Springsteen music. And keep in mind, over the past uh, decade or so, a new album comes out and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because he's put out a you know, wrecking ball, high hopes, a letter to you, uh, um, magic, the rising. They, they've been really great records. So I'm just thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I put it on. And, and also there's a big buzz about it. Critics love it. Different musicians. would like Patterson it. hood said it was maybe his best since Nebraska. Patterson hood is so wrong. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't be more wrong. What did he say about darkness on the edge of town? That record changed my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like Western stars. I, um, I am, yeah, I think that with me, I, I think that I go, a lot of times we're, we're different. We have different tastes and Springsteen fans will have different tastes, but I think largely, I'm not too far off from the Springsteen fan. I think I'm right. We're pretty much in line. This is probably where there's going to be a big difference because I don't think any other big Springsteen fan, I don't think, would say what I'm about to say. I think, I think Western Stars is his worst record. Um, sorry, it is. David shaking his, his – this is an opinion, and in my opinion, it's his worst record. So that being said, I went with Tucson Train. I, I think that's a pretty good song. And um, most of the album I just don't like. And the songs that I do like, for the most part, I don't think they're that great. Uh, but I think this is a pretty good song. All right, so, question. Yes. Do you think if it was stripped down and did not have the strings and, and the the kind of that other instrumentation behind it, and it was just him, a guitar, a bass, and drums, do you think you would like it better? Because from what I understand – amongst most of the hardcore people that don't like it, that's what kind of turns them off. Like if you went and saw him by himself and he played Tucson train on acoustic guitar, do you think you'd like it better? That's a good question. And I, and that perspective that you gave that other Springsteen fans that don't like it, I'm glad hearing that I'm not the only one, but with Springsteen fans that don't like it, I think that is a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. I, I think it's fair to assume I probably would like it at least better. Uh, I think I'd probably like it better. So let's um since I'm just kind of I'm skipping around a little bit here. Let's let's go to the really let's call the rising a comeback album. Because we talked about the nineties. 
outside of what a uh, couple of songs off of those the the same day release albums and then the two songs off of soundtracks um he was not he was not like the talked about artist and he was it seemed like the 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 uh the music music had shifted and he wasn't a part of it as far as popular music and we feel like I, once the band got to back together did that reunion tour and then they did the rising uh springsteen just came back in force so i'm gonna go with lonesome day that's my next song always liked that one i i absolutely love seeing that one live i was fortunate to see that live my first very first show if i'm not mistaken it was the very first show that i saw when it was at um old meadowlands and just uh little steven when he gets up up to the mic with him and they're singing together that breakdown i just i love that that was uh that was probably one of the highlights of that show next let me shoot over to i'm gonna go to one of the ones that I'm going to go to one of the ones that definitely has the most, that I chose the most from. I'm going to go with Magic. And the opening track, I think, is one of his biggest rock songs of his career. And that's Radio Nowhere. And honestly, a lot of Magic, where I've said before, I said that was that was his, at that point, for sure, I thought I think that's his best, that was his best record since Born in the USA. Again, my opinion, people would disagree with me. Because a lot of people think that um, Tunnel of Love is is a much better record. Some of them say it's his best record. Like Patterson Hood, they're wrong. It's not his best record. But I think a lot of this album, especially songs like Radio Nope, Nowhere, they, they'd have a they'd have a place on on uh, Born in the USA for sure. So next up, I'm gonna go with. Um, Let's go to let's go to Wrecking Ball. This was uh, the album that came. I guess this would have been the first album that came out after I really went down that deep dive that David finds himself in right now. Went down that rabbit hole, and this was well, kind of sort of that's true. First, it was working on a dream for me. That was when I first started getting into him. But I was really all in once Wrecking Ball hit, and at, uh, a little bit before Wrecking Ball hit, I was I had all the records. And so I'm going to go with one, a song he had, he had, he had, had a while. Um, people had heard this, had been played live for years, Land of Hope and Dreams. Another one that is amazing live and just always been a huge fan of that. Um, I will go to next, the most recent record. And I'm going to go to the title track, Letter to You. Um We'll talk a lot more about this album. So I know we'll talk more about Magic, but Letter to You is without question, in my opinion, one of the best albums he has put out since night since Born in the USA. It without question. I, I don't hesitate. I think it's one of the best. I think that um there there's not a stinker on the record. And I think that um I, it's just amazing that what was he? I don't know how old he, he was at least seventy. He's seventy three now. So yeah, probably seventy when he put this out. Seventy seventy one, and to think of him putting that out at that at that point in his career, it's just incredible. Uh, I will stay. I will stay on that record for my last one, and I'm gonna go with Burning Train. I I love that track, and one thing about that one that I truly just love that's um is Weinberg's drumming and again we're talking about no offense to, to any of the elderly we're talking about an elderly man and he's playing that those drums just it sound I, I think they sound incredible and it just sounds like Max or somebody singers outside of drummers are probably the ones that really start to fade more than anybody guitars can keep going basics keep going the Weinberg nah, the man still has it so what's interesting is we both love Letters to You and uh, A Letter to You and Magic. Both of those albums were recorded live in the studio with the full band. Um, and like uh, some of those 70s albums were recorded that way. So maybe that's something he needs to continue doing. 
because those uh those albums are great. All right, let's see here. I had Lonesome Day. I think it's a great song to start that album off. Kind of sets the tone a little bit for the rest of the album. Um, just a, a a great tune. And then I have The Rising, obviously off that album. This song to me gives me chill bumps because it's essentially about the firefighters going up the World Trade Center and the imagery that he uses and the vocals that little Steven adds on that second verse before the uh, guitar solo and then coming out of the guitar solo uh, give me chills. It was one of the highlights of it was one of the highlights of songs I was familiar with when we saw him February 18th uh, in T-Mobile Arena in Kansas City. Um, I, you know, that, that song was kind of like a, um, not an anthem, but kind of like a rallying cry for people that had experienced nine 11. Um, and like I said, the bulk of that album is about nine 11 and, and what came after it. All right. Number three, devils and dust title track off his, um, I think it was around 2005, largely solo album. Uh, there, there's a, there's some songs with other people playing on it. I think this is one, if from a pure songwriting standpoint, this is one of the best songs he's ever written. Um, listen to the lyrics. It's about uh, soldiers in the Iraq war. It's just very touching the, the, the way he de- describes what they're going through and kind of their, the mental approach they're having to have to, to fighting a war. Um, this album, I think has like five or six really good songs on it. The rest I can do without, but I do enjoy listening to it. And I have a playlist called acoustic boss and I have several of these songs on there. All right. Also uh long walk home off of um, magic. Th- this is one of the more kind of stripped down songs on the album. Cause the album is a really loud rock guitar album, but has to do with the 2008 uh, economic downturn and, and just kind of getting back from that and, and what, you know, a lot of people were going through. And then I have radio nowhere on there. If you don't think he knows how to rock, watch some of those versions with Jay Weinberg sitting in who's Max's son. Who's now the drummer for slipknot. I think it's his hit. I think it and Adam raised a cane are the two heaviest songs he, that he has. And this one is a barn burner. If you watch the live videos, obviously I've never seen it live. I love the part where uh, he and um, Stephen are singing and he, say, he says speaking in tongues. And, you know, Stephen kind of sometimes his vocals can be a little ragged, which I like. It's very garage band type. But it, when it gets to the tongue part, Springsteen just yanks his head away so that, uh, you know, people can hear little Stephen this seems to be one that he enjoys playing because he has played it after that tour a decent amount. There's a great video of it on them playing on the today show. And on the surface, it's kind of like Tom Petty's last DJ song it has to do with the state of the music industry and, and kind of DJs going away and, and music losing its soul. But also on a deeper level, it it's got a lot of tie in to, is anybody really listening to people like him anymore? Um, like listening to what he has to say and is it, or we just become so dull to everything, but that won't be the last song off that album. That's for sure. All right. Well, let's just, let's just go ahead and stay on that album then. I, um, I was, I, let me start by saying long walk, walk home was one of my last cuts when I was doing this. And, uh, yeah, it easily would have beat Tucson Train. But uh, we're picking from each album. But I'll stay on this one, and I'm going to go with You'll Be Coming Down. Uh, great track. Like we said, Magic. It is It is one of his strongest records, definitely strongest that he's done in, um, since Born in the USA. I'm going to take a step back to what David had and say that I also have The Rising and – and of course, just the the heaviness of the subject matter of that song, something that we all of us are, you know, I guess if you're at least probably 15, 16 in 2001, uh, it just has heavy, heavy meaning. I'm going to go to another album where I just have one song. And this is one that I. That one is working on a dream. 
And I don't hate it as much as David. And I, I really do believe that the, the reason behind it more than anything is it was the first, it was the new released album when I was just starting to get into it. I've said before, anybody listens to our podcast, if, if you listen to us routinely, you would know the first cassette I ever, that I ever owned on my own as a kid was born in the USA. But even though I like some songs of his throughout the next 10, 15 years, I can't say that I was a fan. I started getting back into him when that album came out. There was just something, I don't know. I just started, started deciding, I decided to try it again. And I remember the um, Super Bowl halftime show he performed and he played Working on a Dream. And the to- first tour that I saw him on, when I saw him at Giant Stadium, that was the Working on a Dream tour. And I think he played, I think he two or three songs from that album. And one of them was not the one that I chose. I chose a song that I don't think is just, well, it's pretty good for working on a dream. No, I think it's a great, great song. And I actually had a couple of songs that were late cuts off of this album. Because again, I don't hate it as much as David does. But all that being said, I went with My Lucky Day. I think it is the best song on the on the record. Obviously, it's the one I chose. And David, I believe that's three that I've done on this round. So let me, uh, I'm going to go to another, another album that only got one song. And crazy thing is, I do like this album, but it was just getting beat by other songs. It was getting beat by, by, um, by, it was getting beat by magic. It was getting beat by letter to you, but high hopes was a good record. It just didn't have songs that blew me away, but another song like a land hope and dreams that had been around for a while uh that's all like a proper re- studio release was american skin 41 shots and again deep subject matter i don't remember all the story david is the historian on um, bruce he's everything bruce springsteen over the last oh i got a lot to say about months. this so <laughs> yeah sure he'll fill you in I, I know the overall summary but the uh last one let me uh, let me go back to Wrecking Ball, and I'm gonna go. Let's go with uh, I'm gonna go with one that. So this one does count because it was on the uh, the how was it the Seeger Sessions, but it's his song, American Band, Land, American Land. Sorry, I don't have my glasses. My eyes are going, and I just glance down quick. American land, yes. Um, I love the traditional sound, the traditional Irish sound, the instrumentation he incorporates with this one. So that's my next five. All right, so American Skin, 41 Shots. Got a lot on that one. I, it, it was the last song I cut for mine. Um, so there was a gentleman in New York that got shot 41 times by the police, and I believe all he did was re- was reaching for his wallet. And, um, he wrote this song and it's very much, I don't know, it's very powerful, but he had written it and I don't, obviously he hadn't released it by then. I guess he may have played it live or, or something or had told people about it. And he debuted it at that Madison square garden show. That's the live album and on video and the police asked him not to play it. And apparently he's very pro police in his, in his life and he told him, he said, I'm, I'm still pro-police. Well, when he started playing it, the police down front turned their back on him and and wouldn't wouldn't listen to it. Here's the thing. The gentleman, I forget his name, his family was there. He invited them to come. And it's it's a it's a very powerful song. And he finally put it on uh, the High Hopes album. And um it's just a it's a it's just a really it's a really good moving song. And um I've always thought he's really good about coming up with music like that. And he, he never appears flippant about it. Like he's doing it for attention. Like it's always seems to be like ghost of Tom Joad, something that, you know, he feels very strongly about. And, uh, that one doesn't get played a whole lot. Obviously it's very heavy subject matter. And, and he likes to keep things, I think as fun as he can for the most part in concert, he'll usually have three or four songs that are a little more serious, but 
that uh he'll probably tell you that's one of his he th- from a songwriting standpoint that's one of the best ones he's done i did see it live though in new york Sorry. no tampa that's awesome yeah that, that, yeah, that was uh i think that would have been high hopes tour okay that's cool yeah that's a cool one to be able to say you saw all right let's hit magic girls in their summer clothes um is uh uh on the surface kind of a fun song on there it's by, pretty much like an old man watching everybody going to the beach and, and having fun down on, on the boardwalk um doesn't get brought out live much anymore he he played it a decent amount on that tour another song i have from magic it's a sleeper song on there that don't don't it's because it's buried toward the end devil's arcade another another moving song uh, it's about written kind of from the perspective of a wife of a soldier that got killed in the iraq war a lot of that album's about the iraq war all right lucky day i have that from the working on a dream album this is uh, a little bit one of his happier sounding songs it's a straight up rocker has a just an amazing melody to it. And I just absolutely love the course. And then let's go to what's in the running for, for me, for one of his best albums post um, the reunion. And that's wrecking ball. And it's the title track wrecking ball. Now what's interesting is this was written about them tearing down um, giant stadium. And obviously probably no other place other outside of Madison square garden and the stone pony is more associated with Springsteen. He would sell it out multiple nights. Chris here has, has seen him live in that venue, but they, uh, they tore it down and there's, you know, he's talking about, you know, where giants play the game. He's pretty clever with how he does it. But if, uh, when we saw him, he, it was, we saw him five days after the chiefs won the super bowl and when he said, when Giants play the game, there's always there's a little pause after that. And he goes, Kansas City's pretty good, though, uh, which I thought was cool. There's a great version from this summer uh, on the summer tour in Boston. Obviously, Boston and, and New York have an issue between the Giants and the Patriots. And when he when he says, you know, where Giants win the game or something like that, he has some fun with the crowd laughing. But also, you can, you can interpret the meaning of a lot of it uh, to be a little bit deeper. But... Um, I'm like you. I love the Celtic sound on Wrecking Ball. It's pretty pervasive for the most part, with the exception of one or two songs. Uh, you know, this one holds up really well. Uh, I find myself going back and listening to it a lot. And then my last uh, is uh, my last one of that five is actually from that Shackled and Drawn. And we talk about the Celtic influence. It's there on this. Um, a lot of this album is, is has to do with economics and things like that. And this is another song, just kind of what the working man feels like uh, at that time with the economy and everything. But man, like obviously magic and a letter to you are, are right there, but man, one a or one B for me is the wrecking ball. There's, there's really not anything on there. I don't like. So like if it if I put that album on, I'm not gonna skip anything. There's some I like better than others, but there's maybe one, possibly two songs that I think are average. But I I love that Celtic influence on it because he was coming off um you know, he'd done the Seeger sessions and those obviously had a lot of that influence, especially when they, they did the live album and he kind of carried it over, but he carried it over to me in a lot better way than those Seeger sessions. I mean, and I love Secret Sessions. I think I think it's a fun album, especially this song. Pay uh, pay my pay my money down. Love those songs. I will say the Wrecking Ball was a very very late last minute cut for me, and I do love the song, and it means a lot to me because it was opening. You asked me recently what's my favorite Springsteen song that I've seen as an opening track, and that's it. Easily, uh, I I thought that was awesome. I, uh, I remember hearing that song for, I think it may have been the first time when I was headed to the airport to go see him on night three of those shows. And they, on East Street, East Street Nation, they debuted it. And like, wow, this is really good. What year was that? I think it was, oh, so I want to say oh nine. Okay. Let's say. 
but yeah, that that's that's a really good one. I like Shackled and Drawn. Didn't make the list, but I like it. But we'll we'll just go ahead and stay on. Let's go with Wrecking Ball, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one that's probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a sleeper one, I think. But Jack of All Trades, and it's a really I mean, it's typical Springsteen song. I mean, obviously, somebody's struggling with um, to get paid to make a living. But what really sells it is, even though he's my arch nemesis these days, Tom Morello's playing is is great. Um, I love his playing on this song. I think it really adds to it. Let's see, next, I'm going to go, let me go back to, I'll go back to Magic again. And I'm going to go, well, let's go with Girls in Their Summer Clothes. I have that one. I think that's a, a really fun song. It's an upbeat song. Um, one one I do hope to hear live someday because I think it would go over very well live. But staying on the album, Your Own Worst Enemy. Um, killer, killer song off of that one. As David Knight said, there's just not... Not a lot of weak tracks on that. My lone song off Devils and Dust, and, and let me say too, the Devils and Dust, I don't think is a bad record. Uh, David recently told me you need to give Devils and Dust and Western Stars another try. And I told him, Devils and Dust is not a bad record. I don't hate it. I don't go to it very often, but I don't think it's a bad record. It's got some really good stuff on it. Um, and, but then, as I said, followed that up by telling David that Western Stars is shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> but staying on Devils and Dust, uh, the song that I chose, and, and it was it was debatable for a few songs, and Devils and Dust was one of them. But ultimately, I went with Long Time Coming. Uh, I, I'm a really big fan of that song. That's not just good for that record. I, I really like the song. And then I'm going to go my last song in this grouping, the opening track off of Letter to You, One Minute You're Here. And I, uh, I still remember when this album came out. I, I, and I think we've probably talked about it on here before. If nothing else, we talked about it when it first came out. And David probably wanted nothing to do with uh, hearing a Springsteen album. But I told him, and I remember having this conversation with our, uh, yeah, our, our, our friend uh, David Rune, and he told me. I said to him, and he, he agreed completely. He's a Springsteen fan, and I said. I listened to this record and it just feels sad and not in a bad way. Um, not sad that made me, didn't want to make me listen to it anymore, but just so much of the, the content of this album was about loss. It's about mortality. And there are several songs that are like that. And this is one of them. And it's an interesting way to start an album. To start an album that's largely a rock record. And you start it just very slow, very soft, incredibly limited instrumentation. And I think it's one of the very, very strong points of a great record. Yeah, it, it, that's the slowest song on there mm-hmm. and, and the most mellow song. Yeah, I, obviously he's dealing at that point probably – around the events of last man standing there, you know, he's coming to terms with his morality. He's on the backside and, and a lot of those people around him have, have died. And he talks about that in concert. If you go see him on this tour before he plays last man standing, one of the things I, I think is interesting about the live presentation of some of those songs. Um, I'll see you in my dreams and last man standing have instrumentation and you see him in concert and it's, him and an acoustic guitar, which I, I think is is interesting. All right, let's go back to Wrecking Ball, the song Easy Money. Kind of somewhat kissing cousin, I guess, of Atlantic City. It's a guy, got his woman, and he just wants to go get some money. And uh, Springsteen's great about writing stuff <laughs> like that. You kind of wonder if he uh, has a little bit of a criminal element in his mind because he, uh, he can put himself in those shoes really easily. All right, the second song is a very deep cut from Wrecking Ball. It's called This Depression. Now, it sounds completely different for the most part from anything else uh, on that album with instrumentation and, and, and his singing and the lyrics on it. Uh, I was reading in this book, and 
it's a, a book that came out, I think fairly recently. It's called Bruce Springsteen, the stories behind the songs and talks about how he has really dealt with depression in his life. And this was kind of him opening up about it and, and kind of, I guess, letting the world know about it. It's, it's a, it's a great song. It's a very moving song. All right. Number three of high hopes, the electric version of the ghost of Tom Joad with uh, Tom Morello. Now I know Chris hates him, but Tom Morello. Well, I hate has, what he's, no, I'm just say this. I hate what he's done to uh serious radio. He's ruined serious radio because all these shitty shows are on, on like every channel I like. He has though, one of the most unique and recognizable guitar sounds that there is. You, you know, it's him really quick. And he and, yeah, he and Bruce had, had played this song well before um, they recorded this and um, uh, Rage Against the Machine had a covers album and they have it on it. Obviously, the original version is very stripped down. It's an acoustic song. I really like it. I, I like the story behind it and the sentiment behind it. But live, when he plays this with an electric guitar and on the album, the first solo doesn't necessarily, uh, I mean, I'm, I may get the solos confused. One of them sounds like him and one of them doesn't, but he lets Tom sing the second verse. And this is the only time I really like Tom Morello's voice. And he's singing it with such conviction. It makes you, you know, really say, oh, he believes this. But the guitar solos on here add so much to it and make it a really epic song. And he filled in for little Steven for some shows back in like 13 or 14. And from the videos I've seen, it looks great. And he seems to be playing not necessarily in his style, but to conform to uh, to the E Street Band. All right. You'll be coming down. We talked about it off Magic uh, just a, a great song that if you're listening to this and you don't like the, which I'll admit until I saw him, I didn't really appreciate the sound on a lot of those seventies albums with the glockenspiel and, and the piano come to appreciate it and love it. Now, but if somebody said, Hey, you know, I've never have gotten into the boss and I, I don't like the sound of that old stuff. Magic would be what I would give them. And this is one of the songs. All right. My last song, I think from wrecking ball is uh, a very mellow song called You've Got It, a little playful, uh, singing about uh, his girlfriend. And I'm really surprised a country music artist hasn't picked this song up. It, it's the most mellow one on the album. It's, you know, it doesn't necessarily fit with the themes of everything else or, or it and this depression. But um, it grew on me. And when I first started listening to that album, I would kind of skip through this. And then it kind of hit me one time and I was like, this would make a cunt, a great country song from uh, a country artist, even possibly a duet. Like I could hear Tim McGraw and Faith Hill playing this one. And, and I really, Faith Hill is one of my favorite vocalists of all time. Um, Tim McGraw, I'm not really into his stuff, but I think he can sing. But anyway, Chris, that brings you to your final five. And I've, I've looked over this and I think somewhere along the lines, I did six and I can't tell you where it is because I'm only showing four. So okay, let's just go with that. All right, give you my last one off magic. I'll work for your love. And uh, as great as that record is, you'll know if you if you look at the track listing, most of mine come from the, from the first half, and it's just, I mean that that it, it's a uh, first half of that record is absolutely killer. I am going to go and agree with you as far as great songs off Wrecking Ball. I love this depression. It's always been one of my favorite ones on that album. And as we said, it now it doesn't. I've got four songs off of it that I picked off here and Letter to You and Magic each have five. It shows you how close they really are, like what you were saying. And there's some songs that I left off. We already talked about a Wrecking Ball being one of them, a big one. So I'm going to wrap up with my last two that I have, and they're off Letter to You. They, um, Next to the last one that I have, Ghost. Uh, amazing song. Dave and I got to see that one live. And then the uh, I'll See You in My Dreams. It's just, to me, absolutely one of the best on this album. Uh, I can make an argument that it's my favorite. And it's when we talk about the mortality. If you, if you want to see the weight of that song and the emotion behind that song, go watch the... Uh, 
I don't remember the name of it. The historian here, David, will probably be able to tell you. But um, Apple TV put out a, a documentary, mm-hmm. and it was it was the making of Letter to You. And you see at the end when they're playing it, they're they're in the studio and they're playing it, and Landau breaks down. They're all just like consoling him. He literally breaks down, and it's it's the weight of this song and the mortality, and these guys that have been playing together for decades, and they've already lost the big man. They've lost Phantom Federici. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, like I said, Letter to You is a brilliant, brilliant record. And it's a uh, it's a sad record to me. And that's my list. Yeah, I, I have Ghost on there. And it was the second song that uh, I ever saw Springsteen play after No Surrender. I really think this would be possibly as good or better opening song to a concert as no surrender it's just got that huge chorus in and i can feel the blood shiver your blood shiver in my in my bones i just love that you get little steven loud in the mix on this singing um like i said it's about i kind of interpret a little bit it's kind of about some of it's about his musical heroes going away and and then possibly people in the band you know and i like the part by the time it's over you know we'll burn the house down or or what like or something along those lines would be a great concert opener. Absolutely. Or, or at worst, it shouldn't be lower than number two. All right. My next song is off that album. Janie needs a shooter. Now, from what I understand, this song has been around a long time. I believe there's a recording of it. I think the only recording there is, is like a sound check or something back in like the, the early to mid seventies. It's a unique, it's a, the subject matter is very unique. Some of the, the lyrics on it are, are a little oddball, but it's, it's still uh, a really good song and he hasn't played it live yet. And I think this would translate well to uh, an arena. It's got a pretty big course on it, a little more mid tempo than let's say ghost, but I'm hoping on this um, when he comes back around next year, which Chris and I, and, and see, Chris has told me, he said, Huddy, we're going to seven shows and I'm paying for it. And so uh, uh, y'all have heard it now. We have a contract. So he just said, uh-huh. So sure. uh, we're, yep, see, sure. My wife's an attorney. It's a done deal. We have witnesses. So we're going to go to seven shows together and, and hopefully get Kate and Clark. But it's a song I would love to hear live. And hopefully he'll break that if, out. If I, if I, if I, I'll go, I'll pay for yours as long as Kate pays for, for mine. Well, we won't be going. Um, all right. Off of Western Stars, Tucson Train. I went with this one because it was the first song that kind of grabbed my attention on there. I love the Wayfair. I love Hitchhiker. Um, I love Chasing Wild Horses. Uh, that song, I forget the name. It's got Nashville in the title. I think is good. Now, when I first listened to Western Stars, I was like, this is a big old heaping piece of crap. And um, I met, when, once I really got into him, I, I went kind of album by album. And obviously I listened to this one time. I'm like, it's not that good. And like I said, there's four or five Springsteen podcasts out there. And I started listening to to them talk about it. And I said, okay, I need to go back and listen to it. I like it. Um, I like about half the songs on there. I put it to you that way. I really think he dials back that kind of Laurel Canyon sound that he was going for with the instrumentation. I really think people would receive it better because it's, uh, it's a very personal album. And he cut it live like a special called Western stars, the film with a band and, and put that out. But I really think if people go and listen to it with an open mind, there's two or three songs on there that they would like. And it, it's either people love it or they hate it. There's no in between. I did a uh, state of America bonus podcast with guy, Sam soupy, who um, has seen him a ton, a lot more than, than, than any of us have. And we ranked our all the studio albums, and we took an average of the ranking and, and and came up with a with a total there at the end. And he had Western Stars in his top ten. And at the time, I had it next to last behind. I had Human Touch last, but it's a very divisive record amongst the fan base, from what I can tell. And I'm, I'm I've read three books on the man in the last couple of months. I'm on the message boards. Uh, I listen to all these Springsteen podcasts, so it seems to be a consistent theme. All right. Um, I'll see you in my dreams. I th- Did I mention that? No. 
Okay. I'll see you in my dreams. I have that. This is how he closed the concert that we saw in Kansas City. It's him and an acoustic guitar. He comes out after, I think they closed with 10th Avenue Freeze Out. And there's a huge problem in our world these days. If you go to a show and somebody plays just an acoustic guitar, if people talking, uh, rumbling around on their phone, however many pl- people that place holds, 15, 16, 17,000, there wasn't a peep. Nobody was on their phone. People are almost kind of like leaning forward to listen. And I just think the way that he closed it out, it it really, to me, kind of drove home that he understands what age he is. He understands, I mean, at his age, this could be his last go round. I mean, something could something could happen. And I think it was a I think it was a well thought out way to end these shows. And it's been very, very well received. The, the version on the album has drums and, and bass and, and, and electric guitar. But like I said, this and Last Man Standing, from an emotional standpoint, are, to me, two of the more emotional songs he's done in the last 20, 25 years. Go check this album out. If you're not a Springsteen fan, I, I promise you, if you're just like a hard rock person, this has got some hard rock songs on it. Burning Train's great. Uh, Rainmaker's great. Um, gosh, I mean, there's really not a stinker on there. Uh, I'm definitely not going to skip through any songs on the album. And then my last one is Long Time Coming off of uh, Devils and Dust. I could have gone with the song Leah. I really like it. I came close to putting that on, but Long Time Coming was one of the last ones um, that um, that I had to make my list. And that's going to close my list out. I mean, this was to me harder than the first one for the simple reason that all of this stuff is so new to me. And even if you don't like Springsteen and you get into him, you're going to have some preconceived notions about that born to run through born in the USA thing, because they're, they're such good albums and those songs are played on the radio so much that I think a lot of people will be inclined to go, Oh, we know it's born to run or darkness or born in the USA is his best albums. And I kind of had a little bit of that in me too, but Magic Wrecking Ball and A Letter to You are in the running, in my opinion, with with being in his top 10 albums of all time. And you'll have some of the older Springsteen fans will say that's blasphemous. I absolutely hate, it's one of my biggest pet peeves in life, if people say they're a fan of a band, but then they're like, I stop at this album. There's two bands I get a pass on for that. Wilco, they have just... I mean, laid turd after turd. All another level of sucking. Yeah. Like from what they were to what they yeah. are now. And the last, I don't know, three of my morning jacket albums have really disappointed me. Other than that, I can't think of a band that I consider a top 20 or top 30 band that I don't listen to their new stuff. And, uh, you know, our, our, our good friend Shannon, like he dropped off. He's the biggest, one of the biggest REM fans I know. And he just has a, he has a cutoff. He doesn't know anything after that. And I know a lot yeah, of it's people, just not that he didn't like them. He never gave him. They never listened to him. Yeah, which is what's I, weird. Here's the thing: let you just don't forget how to write good songs overnight. Now, a lot of it with people that are in Springsteen's zip code, so to speak, is they've just lost the creative spark. They're no longer hungry. This is a guy worth a half billion dollars that plays three hours a night nonstop. He's been in Europe for like two months, and I just saw where he did three shows in the same arena, sixty thousand people. He's not doing this for the money. He's doing this because he enjoys doing it. And I think when you get to that age, there's very few people. The only one that I can think of, that re- the two that I think that really enjoy it and want to keep doing it is Neil Young and Keith Richards. They seem Paul McCartney. To, yeah, McCartney. You've ever seen he, Paul McCartney live? You, you don't. I don't think you fake that, and you don't play a three-hour show. Well, he's got more money than than the boss. So yeah, he played, I, he, he, when I saw him, he played just over three hours. It's, that's insane. You don't do that as a man in your 70s. If no. you don't so I know that Springsteen has another covers album coming out at the beginning of next year. I don't know if it's going to be all of that kind of like soul and Motown covers. I kind of hope it's, I, well, actually, I mean, kind of, I hope it's not. I, I would like to see him bring some other songs in there. I honestly could see him covering 59 Sound if he, uh, and, and I don't know if Fallon could handle it. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what I would like to see him do is he grew up on the stuff that he's 
the cover stuff that he's been doing. But before that, he grew up on 50s rock. You know, it's, it said uh, the, the book that you were kind enough to send, I'm nearly halfway through. I started reading that about Nebraska. But, and he talks about how it was all the stuff he grew up on. It was really pre-British invasion, the stuff he was really, that really influenced him. And so that's what I'd love to hear. Hear him do some late 50s, early 60s rock hits. Some Buddy Holly, some Chuck Berry. I'd love to hear him do that kind of stuff. He and he yeah. he loves he loves the animals. He admits he's lifted a couple of melodies from the animals. I don't know if I would say that out loud because you wind up getting sued, but um he loves those type bands. All right, Chris. That's the kind of cover album I want though. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Go ahead. All right, Chris. So we have wrapped up our discussion of his discography. This has been my favorite series we've ever done. I, I've enjoyed it. I've I've wrestled with who to what songs to put on here. The the middle one wasn't hard. That one was uh that was easy because there's not that many great songs. But I'm going through here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have ten that that we had both had in our list. And I just was gonna do like a bonus one because American Land is technically a bonus song on uh Wrecking Ball. I had that. So let's just say we had eleven songs in common. Speaking of bonus songs. We know there's going to be a tracks two at some point because Max said that he went back in and did some overdubs and they were looking at close to 50 songs. So there's always the hope that we're going to get, there's supposedly an album between Nebraska and born in the USA that got completely recorded and scrapped. There's also an album that got recorded after Tom Joad that got scrapped. That's more of a rock record. He recorded that with that 92, 93 band and then there's Electric Nebraska, and that's kind of the holy grail that people want. Um, if you go see him play Atlantic City, it's full band. It, it, to me, uh, I, I enjoy the stripped-down version more. It carries more of a meaning to it. The big band version, you kind of lose some of that. Johnny 99, obviously, he plays with the full band. And, and uh, Mansion on the Hill, I, I've, I've listened to him do that, but... Um, it would be interesting to hear what the song Nebraska sounds like. Uh, I think reason to believe is one that would sound good with the band. So let's hope tracks two hurries up and comes out, but I want him to do another record, uh, in the vein of a letter to you because, um, I, you know, Chris and I don't agree on a whole lot, but man, that's top shelf music from a guy pushing 70 and it's not a stinker on it. Like I said, I can't think of anybody that's come close to this quality of output this late in life the good thing is he's put out a lot of great records without a whole lot of time passing you know he's not doing the let's wait six seven years and put out another album and honestly too when we talk about mortality and we talk about his band aging him aging he could easily i mean he could easily live to be 98 years old you know we got Better healthcare, advancements in healthcare. He could easily live to be that. But when is he going to just be done touring or something happens he can't? Or when is the next E Street member going to go? You know, um, hopefully not for long, but I think he knows that the window is, it's uh, it's getting smaller. And so I, I, I hope that with that being said, we will get another album in the next, within the next maybe two, like a, a studio album because as you've learned now, he probably has an album. He could probably put together an album right now of songs oh, yeah. he has and put it out. And like what he did on Letter to You, there were there's either two or three songs that were that he pulled up from the set. song Song for Orphans, If I Was a Priest and Janie Needs a Shooter, all from the early seventies. He could do that again. You know, he could pull two or three from that. He probably already got a couple of new ones already done in the can. Write a few more, put out a ten rec- ten song record easily all right, i'm gonna put you on the spot what's your favorite unreleased track like period any song he's ever mm-hmm. you know something that's like on the promise or tracks or something like that or ties that bind you know i i i think i would probably go it's tough I'm almost maybe my love will not let you down. I, I mean, most people would give their left arm to write that song. 
Yeah, we're just not going to put it on anything. We open a lot of concerts with it, but now, but um, and I don't know if you, you probably hadn't been, but I watch the set list every night, and he has really since he's got to Europe, he's changed it up a lot. Um, it seems to be a rotating between No Surrender, Ties That Bind, and My Love Will Not Let You Down for that opener. It's a perfect opening song. Well, I've told you that I think that the next leg, next U.S. tour, I think that he will, I shouldn't say it's a, typically what he has done. He puts out a new record, he tours it, and those shows are about two hours and 45 minutes, and he plays probably four or five from the new album. He comes back for that second leg, and he plays for about three hours and 15 minutes and one or two from the new one. And so maybe it's just he's wanting to go and play those new songs live as part of it. And the other is they're just they're 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 getting they're getting in, in band shape. They're really getting going and hitting their stride. And I don't know, but maybe at an advanced age and being so much time off of a big tour, it was easier just to go and have more of a set, a true set list. And maybe now that they've toyed around with some songs, we, uh, yeah, we're probably not going to get three and a half hours and from night to night, nine songs will be the same. But I think you're going to see a little bit more changing a set list and you're probably going to see longer sets. All right. Just last, last question for you. What's the one song you want to see live that you've never seen live? Fourth of July. For me, the live thing I would want to hear, I'd love to hear him do Racing in the Street 78. And my favorite unreleased track, B-Side, is probably Loose End. My Love Will Not Let You Down is is right there. Uh, Be True is good. The song, The Promise, I love that. It brings up Thunder Road in it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I encourage you to, if you're out there, go, just go buy magic and a letter to you. If you don't like that, um, there's a chance you don't have good taste in music because it's, uh, it's very, <laughs> you might be a, you might be a heat fan. Yeah. You might like heat or uh crocus <laughs> uh, crocus. Anyway, this has been a lot of fun. We have one more episode left with a guy that does like heat and crocus uh sonny pooney he's going to come on here we're going to have a lot of fun with him he's one of my favorite people I've, I've met through podcasting and he will do a really good job of this on the the black crows when he spent a lot of time he had very detailed notes on the songs about what he liked didn't like and how he thinks it could sound better so i will hit him up soon because i've sent him the list and, and we'll get this one set up chris pick us a playout song you said it wanted to be one that uh we both had so there's 11 to uh, choose from i wanted to wait till we went on that did this so um we talked a lot about Letter to You. We talked all about um, that being the album you were saying people need to check out. And let's close it out with uh, ways closing out the shows. I'll see you in my dreams. All right, everybody. See you with Sonny Pooney. Take care. The road is long And seeming without end The days go on I remember you, my friend And though you're gone In my heart's been emptied, it seems I'll see you in my dreams I got the old guitar Here by the bed All your favorite records And all the books
see you in my dreams.